Here we go again. Welcome to The Hydrant, everyone. I'm Jim Cooper. This episode sponsored by Voices and Sound Studios. For all your professional recording needs, touch base with Roman Barry at VoicesAndSound.com. Coming directly from the horseshoe crowd capital of the world, get a leg up and get ready for The Hydrant. And now... A man who doesn't know the meaning of the word syllabarium. Your host, Jim Cooper. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Hydrant. I'm Jim Cooper. With me today is Debbie Weiss. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on the show, Jim. Uh, It's my pleasure. Debbie is an author. Well, Debbie is a former attorney turned author, or as she likes to put it on her website, she's a former lawyer and current unemployed slacker, which I think is <laughs> okay, fine, whatever. She's got a brand new book available as is, A Midlife Widow's Search for Love. It was chosen as the February 2023 National Association of Memoir Writers Book Club selection. So it's got a lot, a lot of people talking about it. You know, and I thought about it and it's like, what is this thing that attorneys turning to authors, you know, it just, you know, John Grisham, Scott Turo, Lisa Scottolini, Meg, Meg Gardner. I mean, is, is there something that, that, that within the attorney framework that says, hey, I think I'm going to start writing now? Well, I mean, a lot of us attorneys do love to write. That's why we became lawyers, because we right. wanted jobs where we could play with words, right? Uh, the other thing is we see most of the world as an adversarial proceeding, so we carry that over to everything else. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but that's – especially, I guess, defense attorneys would be really, really into that. So that's that's great. Debbie has, has written a lot of articles for the Huffington Post, Women's Day, Good Housekeeping, Reader's Digest. And her book, which is available as is – is kind of chronicles her journey through the dating world after her husband passed away in 2013. And she wrote an article for the New York Times in their modern love section, which has the best title ever of any article ever written, which is first try the pastrami, then the polyamory. And it's just like, I saw that. it's like, I have to read this. I just have to read this. So, um, which goes into some specifics about her, her dating, uh, journey as it, as it were. Why did, what was the feel outside of just writing into getting as a cathartic thing, which I get, yes. um, was the original intent to put this out as a book or did it just kind of grow with time? I kind of grew with time. You know, I started to write uh, pretty soon after losing my husband and I had widow's brain. I was pretty lost and wasn't thinking real clearly, but I had always loved writing. So I took a weekly writing class. And then when I started, you know, my my first pieces were about grief. And then when I started dating, the, the characters I was meeting were so out there that I really just felt compelled to share some of them with the world. And I, also, it felt so absurd. I couldn't believe I was alone in this. So I just wrote for a while. And then again, another thing about lawyers is we tend to be sort of type A, um, 
you know, wanting to get things done. So ultimately I thought, well, I want to write a book. And then I thought, well, I'm not writing it very well. I'm, I'm going to get an MFA. So, you know, it all kind of took off from there. It started off cathartic and kind of wound up moving into craft, sort of a challenge to see, could, could I do this? Could I write something I that worked? And you got your, your MFA in what, 2020 from St. Mary's College? I did. St. Mary's College of California cool. in 2020. Yeah, I was 56. God bless you. I mean, and I've often thought about doing that because I've written a book. And I'm, in fact, I've got another book coming out very, very soon that's kind of a memoirish kind of cathartic thing about my wife's cancer journey from a oh. caregiver perspective. And uh, it, it just does tend to, to grow on you after time because those... I think I was talking with Karen Osborne. Sometimes those characters start talking to you in your head, and they just won't leave you alone. No, I, I listened to I listened to Karen's uh, episode actually, and yes, I know her. Um, yes, it, yeah, you you just kind of you start to have these characters, and for some reason, a lot of you know, some of my characters I wasn't even that crazy about, but they just kind of said, "Share me." warn other women about people like me. But also I wanted to kind of share the, the grief and the, and the being adrift as a widow, especially, you know, not having, having had to change your life so much starting at age 50 at midlife, having to change so much was something I, right. I kind of wanted to talk about because that's hard. Especially at, at that time of life and your husband passed away in his fifties and you know, that's not something you plan for. I mean, it, I remember when my wife got her cancer diagnosis, everything changes. Right. Immediately. Immediately. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I kept hearing about was, well, this is the new normal. How did you navigate through that whole grieving new normal process? I mean, which is just so enormous and to me seemed insurmountable at times. Well, I mean, the diagnosis, does change everything because all of a sudden mortality is in the forefront of your mind. Um, mm. You know, my husband chose to just keep working uh, during the four years between his diagnosis and his passing and he lived how he wanted. We, we continued to cook and run around and, and when he was gone, you know, he was my best friend. We were pretty isolated. And um, I just kind of had to start going really, really slow, you know, start with, can you go outside, drive to the parking lot near the trail, take a walk? Go for a walk. From there, can you pick something you want to do? A yoga class. It gets harder. Writing class. That's a little further from home. It's a little more challenging. From there, hey, look, these neat people invited you to be in their writing group. Okay, you, you like this person, like this woman. Can you go for a walk? Can you do that? You know, just kind of on and on until eventually it, it starts, these little things start to add up to what feels more like a life and less less kind of like purgatory. So let's let's project a little bit. The new book is out. What's uh, have you have you had any thought about what's going to happen next? Are you thinking about fiction, or do you, you or is this is this a one shot and done, or is the writing bug really hit you? Obviously, you got an MFA. I don't think it's going to be one and done, but I figured I'd ask anyway. I don't know about trying to get any more books published. Um, it's a it's an interesting process, which is kind of the opposite of writing of it, you know, suddenly you're trying to promote it and you're, you're doing all this stuff. And it, at least the way I went through an excellent, but, but expensive hybrid publisher note expensive. So I don't think I would do that again, honestly, what I might do is, and I don't write fiction. I'm an ex lawyer. I don't, I don't have that kind of imagination. My thoughts are to write about my father who is at 92 and a half. He's a retired nuclear physicist. He was a single parent to me and he's really interesting. 
He's mm. been around some very interesting people at very interesting times. The other thing is possibly doing a sequel to the book, but but again, just something I would give away, like through my website or a Kindle Unlimited, if I could right. figure out the software, which is really not my skill set. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the dating world in your fifties. It's, it's, this is an issue fraught with all sorts of landmines, but um, what's the one thing as you went through this journey mm-hmm. that really took you by surprise? Was there one thing that just you weren't expecting that just kind of hit you in the side of the head with how that whole process works, having not been in that scene for a long time? Yeah, fortunately, I haven't for five years. I, I've been with somebody, so I'm really lucky. But Good. the thing that struck me, honestly, a uh, former lawyer, is how adversarial the dating scene in your 50s is. To me, it feels very much of a power struggle. You have a bunch of people who are disillusioned. They've had a lot of, they've had their failed relationships, death, divorce, and being online, put through the ringer a few times. They expected to be married or partnered. We don't want to be out doing this, at least not most of us. A lot of people need therapy. They don't need dating. They're still not over their past loves, their losses, their divorces, their financial settlements. I've heard too much about financial settlements. I mean, I, you know, and so they're sort of pushing to have something as quickly as possible. And I, I was really surprised at the lack of care, um, the transactional nature and how Hmm. hostile it was. That doesn't mean oh. there aren't good people. I know I'm just shocking. I'm sorry. Everybody right now is closing their dating apps and they're like, oh no, no, <laughs> no there no. are good people. There are. I'm, I don't, I'm Absolutely. not trying to paint such a negative picture, but I am saying you encounter a lot of folks who aren't so great. And it yeah. kind of surprised me because I, I sort of thought by the time we were doing this, that most of us would be sort of looking for joy and love. Having a few friends that have traversed the whole dating site thing and some of their experiences as well it's like i guess it's like anything else i mean you, there's, there's a there's a 10% of the the cream on the top that you you hope you hit into and then there's a lot of like i guess the old phrase kissing a lot of frogs to find the prince is is just maybe apropos here you know i've been thinking about this and my analogy is the bar exam now when i took the bar exam 1988 i think there was a 45% pass rate But first-time takers, your pass rate was about 70%. And the disparity was all the people who keep taking and flunking the bar, right? Those numbers are so low, not for us first-timers, but it's for all the people who are trying over and over again. And I I truly do wish them the best. But in dating, I feel when we're older, it's the same thing. Because a lot of us sane folks, we don't want to be dating. So we meet, hopefully, another like-minded, compatible person. We function as grown-ups. We're off the scene. So what you get coming back and back and back are folks who don't work well in relationships and keep coming back to the same pool. Right. That's, that's my theory. And from some of the things you've written that are not looking to go forward, are looking for a replacement for what they had, whether it was rational or, or healthy or whatever it happens to be, or just looking for a replacement. And, and that's, it's, there didn't seem to be any possibility for growth going forward. I saw that too. I saw looking for a replacement and I also saw sort of 
a little bit of a hookup culture vibe. Like, you know, I gave it all. I gave relationships. I'm not buying any more dinners. I am not going in any more nice dates. Just let's just get down to it. This is the hookup culture. I can do it too. But somehow it's so much less attractive in us older people. And, uh, not, yeah, and, and well. that wasn't even attractive to me in my 20s. So it's just some people can do it. Some people can't. I can't do it. Me no either. interest. Oh, wow. That's great. Well, the book is called Available As Is. It's available everywhere. It's it's a cool book, and it's very heartfelt, and I recommend it to anybody. So uh, please please go out and, and get yourself a copy. All right, let me ask you some of these ridiculous questions, okay. and I'm going to go right for the <laughs> I'm go right for the weird. If you were a guy for a day, what's the first thing you would do? I would go on a really, really long hike, someplace absolutely gorgeous, because I wouldn't need to worry about um, peeing in poison oak. I, mean, I, I would not have to worry about the restroom bathroom situation. I don't know. I'm a hiker, so that's what came to mind. What song should play every time you walk into a room? Hmm. Here comes the night. Hmm. Interesting choice. I don't know. I'm thinking uh, of something for somebody with sort of a dark, cynical dis- disposition. That's that's why I went there. Right. It's perfect. It's good. Are your feet the same size? To the best of my knowledge. <laughs> we we've had both answers, yes and no. That's why I keep asking it. It's just. I think my left foot might be a little bit longer, but you know, I I, I don't seem to have trouble buying retail shoes. <laughs> What are you most likely to eat after a stressful day? Goodness. Um, These days it's chamomile tea and Fig Newtons. Um, Up until a year ago when I started to have sort of older lady stomach, uh, it would probably be more like a martini and, you know, (laughs) some frozen pepper poppers, but that just isn't happening anymore. Okay. What movie makes you laugh no matter how many times you've seen it? Uh, probably The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that one. That's good. <laughs> I like that. I used to love fashion. I, not so much anymore, but I just, I love that whole style. What breed of dog would you be? I'm a cat person. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> Okay, you pick a breed of cat then. What type of what breed of cat would you be? Oh, I'll I'll take a ragdoll cat. They shed a lot. They're really chill. Their heads just kind of fall back. You know, that just they seem real comfortable. What's one thing you cannot live without? Well, these days I would say my partner Randall. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. What is your favorite curse word? Hmm. I don't think I'm getting to be terribly creative here. Um, I find the F word to be useful in many sort of situations. <laughs> which, is, which is the majority of the answers are, are there. So that that's fine. If you were an ice cream flavor, what would you be? Oh, vanilla. I mean, I'm pretty pale and, you know... But, you know, a really great vanilla with depth, like with made with real vanilla bean, you know? I mean, I, I do this well, right? 
Plus, plus, you know, if you're in a vanilla ice cream, you're adaptable because you can put any sauces on you. You can stir in some nuts. You can add chocolate chips. You can get creative. So, yes, I'll yeah. go with the versatility of vanilla. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Who would play you in a movie about your life? Diane Lane. Oh, good pick. I love Diane Lane. I do, too. I do, too. You, even going all the way back to the, the teen movie she did early on in the 80s. It's just, just something about her. I've always liked her. Yeah, I was hooked with a little romance, you know? Yeah. I just loved her. And then I kind of like a couple movies she's done as a woman kind of on her own after, you know, marriages that didn't work. And she's really strong, but she's vulnerable. And, you know, she looks pretty real, which I like. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you two things, and you tell me what your preference is between them, kind of an either-or kind of thing. Okay. Bananas or watermelon? Bananas. Library or museum? Museum. Toilet paper, over or under? Under. It's tidier. Okay. Dark chocolate or red wine? Yes. <laughs> 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 I understand. <laughs> Go together, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Passenger or driver? Passenger. I don't like driving that much. I'm actually a very good driver, but I'm one of these people who get stressed. And then I am using my favorite F word while I'm driving. I wish I could just be like, okay. You and, you and my wife would get along. She... When she even when she's a passenger, she hands out the window screaming at people. So it's like, I yeah, guess. I drive with my partner, and I'm like, watch for that, watch for that, watch yes. for that. Look there. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a backseat driver. She's just the same way. And we were we were driving actually through Manhattan, and she started screaming at people out the window. I'm like, you're going to get us killed. Will you please stop doing that? Yes. <laughs> Salad dressing on the side or on top? That's so Harry met Sally. Um. If I know the restaurant on top, if it's a new place on the side, I need to test the stuff out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Live theater or movies? Movies. Which superpower would you rather have? The ability to move objects telekinetically or the ability to shift your shape? Mm, both are tempting. I'll go with shape-shifting because then you can be kind of anywhere and do anything. I think it gives you more flexibility for, for true evil. <laughs> or prying into people's lives. You know, as a writer, actually, shape-shifting would be amazing because you could overhear so much right. that you could co-opt. Yeah. Would you rather give up your cell phone for a month or bathing for a month? Hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> the expression on your face was like, no. <laughs> Not happening. Cell phone. Would you rather have all traffic lights you approach be green or never have to stand in line again? Mm, never have to stand in line again. Your car is your fortress, you know? You can I like that. I thought. mean you could you know you can sit in your car and be be fine if you're standing in line, you know. I was just I just had to like be at a normal a, a pretty busy medical facility and pick up a couple of prescriptions and it took hours. So this is a, and I'm, I'm not good with, I don't, I'm not good at that. Not, patience is not my strong suit. I'm not sorry. Your strong suit. Okay. No. 
Would you rather be able to breathe underwater or fly? Gosh, both sound wonderful. Oh, I'll take breathing underwater. I like I like marine life. I'd like to talk to you know some animals or something. <laughs> Would you rather have whatever you are thinking appear in a bubble over your head for everyone to see? or have absolutely everything you do be live streamed for everyone to see? Hmm, both sound like hell. Um, I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll take the bubble. Um, I'll, I'll take the bubble. A little I, less I, intrusive, I, I, I guess. I, I had one person, one guest who was an actor saying, this question is from the seventh circle of hell. So <laughs> you're, you're right on board with that. Yeah. Someone came up to you and said, hey, I'm newly divorced or I'm newly widowed. She's in her 50s and she's just lost or he doesn't matter. What's one piece of advice you would give them right up front? What did you love to do when you were younger? What mm. kinds of things do you really love to do? And then how can you do those things with other people? For example, I'm a big walker. So when I was lonely, I joined walking and hiking groups. Um, and from there, I made some friends. So I would say working on yourself so that dating um, or other people aren't, aren't the most important thing to you so that you have a strong sense of self after you have to change your after your life has changed. Just something to hold on to at that moment. Or for yeah. a period of time. Yeah, and then to find connections through that. Um, you know, dating, we talked about, is unpleasant. And I think the most important thing you can have is a sense of self. And once you've been in a really long marriage and it ends through death or divorce, you kind of have to reinvent yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. you've spent the past how many years as half a couple, so now you're a, you're a solo person. And I think the most important thing is to kind of look at how do you want to live as a solo person? You know, once you kind of know how you like to live, what you love to do, and have some friends and support. And I think you can find those through your passions. I did, you know, writing classes yielded friends, yoga classes yielded girlfriends, hiking groups yielded companionship, especially on weekends, which can be lonely. So I think if you can start to kind of find yourself and your happiness, you can go from there. Yeah. No, that's, that's great advice. Great advice. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Debbie's book, available as is, is available as is everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, just go looking for it. You can also reach out to Debbie at Debbie Weiss Author, which is pretty straightforward.com. Thank you for watching and listening, and we'll see you again next time on The Hydrant. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on The Hydrant. The Hydrant announcer is Allison Steele. For outstanding VO coaching and voice acting services, visit Allison at allisonsteel.com. That's Allison with a Y and Steel with no E at the end. Shoot me an email with any comments, questions, worthwhile recipes at bigdog at jimcoopervo.com. This episode copyright 2023 by Jim Cooper VO and Nat Lancor Audio, which is solely responsible for its content. No reproduction by writing, recording, reposting, smoke signals, AI voice loading, Morse code, or any other electronic or manual recording method known to man is allowed without prior written consent.
Come back and play with us next week as the steady stream of outstanding guests continue at the Hydrant.